0: Welcome to the first episode in our second series of On The Record. I'm Jason Tebb, Chief Executive of On The Market, and over the course of this season of podcasts, I'll be talking to the innovators and leading figures in our sector to discuss their journey in the industry, their views on prop tech, and their opinions on how adopting new technology can benefit every agent. I'm delighted to welcome John Williams to the show, a passionate property photographer since his very early 20s. Can you remember that far back, John? I don't know. John spent 13 years shooting for some of London's premier estate agents before moving to Foxton's to set up and run their in-house photography department, which as an ex Knight myself was known as Protography. We'll probably talk about that later as well. He did that for nearly two decades and then moved on to Four Walls, which is a property focused marketing and design agency. Within just two years, he's managed to double the firm's network of photographers and now heads that function as sales director, but still keeps his eye in, as you can see on his social media channels, in terms of the photography. So it gives me huge pleasure to welcome John to the show. Hi, John. Good
1: morning, Jason. It's lovely to see you. How are you? I'm on really great form, thank you, as always. And it's uh, it's a pleasure to be here. I've been looking forward to this for quite a while.
0: Good. Now, we've known each other... Well over 20 years, I can imagine now, and, yes. and um seen lots of changes in that time. We have indeed. I look forward to talking all about how technology has changed, but also how the industry has changed as well, I suppose.
1: Oh, absolutely. And it has over that period of time, probably inevitably, but it, it really has. And I think we've sort of kept an eye on each other's progress over the years and our paths. So it's exciting to catch up today.
0: Excellent. So I think just to start for the listeners, tell us a bit about your background, a little summary of how you came to be in the agency sector in the first place. And there maybe what I'm interested to hear about how your role has changed You know, obviously doing what, what you did at Foxton's, but now effectively as a head of a sales division at Four Walls, maybe just a bit background and what you're doing today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So as a young man, I was a passionate, happy snapper. And I actually lived in Bagshot, And literally, there was a guy living next door to my dad's business who had a photography business in London working for estate agents. And he, my dad, as all good dads do, he built me up as being a great photographer. And I got this opportunity with this company in London that only had three or four photographers. So I spent the next 13 years trawling up to London every day, but going around photographing some of the amazing properties for amazing agents. Wow. Then one of those sort of moments that come along in your life, and you have to make one of those decisions, and the inimitable John Hunt came knocking with this, what I thought was an almost crazy idea, where he wanted to set up an in-house department where he had one person processing a property in its entirety, and bearing in mind, I was just a property photographer. So when I used to go to a property, five minutes later, there would be a knock on the door from the floor plan guy, and we used to work independently. And this was way before the days of, you know, EPCs and drone and video and social media and all this type of stuff. So it was quite a radical thought process by him, but it was absolutely spot on. So I sort of took the plunge, joined him. I do joke with a lot of the new people that I meet that my literally my first day was desk phone. Get on with it. (laughs) Total sort of free reign, because obviously it was joining a largest. Well, I say a larger state agency. I joined when there was six offices. And I left when there was 64. So um, it was very much in its infancy then. But credit to John. He literally gave me free reign. We learned as we went along and then literally started to bolt all these other services on to individuals like the floor planning, like the infancy of virtual tours and that type of stuff. And then growing it into, you know, in-house magazine and the sort of forefront of property marketing in general.
0: So i joined in 2001 i joined foxton's then and i'd never been an agent before had no agency experience and i just thought that was the norm you know that you get an instruction i call you i tell you where the address is and then as if by magic within 24 hours someone arrives they spend two maybe three hours there and even back then it's 2001 for people who are listening we had Full photography with lifestyle shots as well we had floor plans that at its time was considered cutting edge and many agents nationally nationwide didn't have any floor plans at all we also had what was called a virtual tour which back then again was pretty revolutionary there's no doubt that the marketing strategy around the protography piece which you ran was absolutely leading the way in terms of innovation because you know, you fast forward 20 odd years and it's just about the norm to have a virtual tour. But even then, you know, the, quite a small portion of agents do have virtual tours. Yes. And I know the actual concept of the tour has changed. It's now full you know, HD video, whereas back then it was images that were spliced together and made to feel panning left and right. But nonetheless, that's pretty radical stuff, you know, over two decades ago, wasn't it?
1: It was just trying to set yourself apart in the marketplace. And that's what I think we'll talk about a little bit later, because in those early days, that's what John was trying to do. He wanted that control. He wanted the speed of getting to the market. And obviously, quite rightly, he wanted to keep his costs down. So having an in-house department was the way to do that. I mean, it sort of moved on quite quickly, like you say, Jason, from the floor planning to the infant videos right through to the writing the property details because he was of the thought process that his managers and valuers they were better spent you know listing property and selling property than writing property details so we took that all all off the front end to let them focus on what they do best
0: that's such a good point i'd forgotten that bit in the sense that even right down to the area, the location, the transport links, the schools, all of that was handled in-house by the photography team. Yeah, I'd forgotten that. Obviously, I, I left a long time ago. And, <laughs> and, and, and that's it's a really good point, actually, because when I did leave and I went to another brand, it was assumed I knew all this stuff. Mm. It was assumed that I'd been writing property particulars for seven years, which is how long I was there at Fox and I hadn't. And that's, you know, that was a big education piece for me, knowing and learning that other agents don't operate in that way. So I found that fascinating and a whole new skill set I needed to learn as well. Tell us about Four Walls. Obviously you left Fox and you came to Four Walls. Tell us about that journey, how you found yourself there and what you're doing right now.
1: Yes. I mean, I moved on after 18 years at Foxton's, very happy times there and obviously learned a lot. And, you know, I'd gone from a very humble photographer to running a quite a serious department and running a marketing magazine, you know, with 40 photographers. So I'd learned a lot as a young man and obviously had a great opportunity with Four Walls because I had the link with my boss, Owen Turgus, who at Foxton's, I was actually getting four walls to draw the floor plans that the guys at Foxton's used to do. So I had a relationship with Owen on a friendly basis and on a business relationship. So he very kindly did a little bit of reshuffling with the business and found me an opportunity to come in and very much do what I was doing at Foxton's, i.e. running his photography department. And at that time when I joined, they had half employed and half freelance photographers. And the sort of the remit was to try and get everyone employed to have that control, to have that speed of response, and obviously to keep the cost down. So very much trying to replicate what we did at Foxton's to a large extent. And then after probably two and a half years, Owen, in his wisdom, so he's not unlike John Hunt with his sort of forward thinking, came to me and he said, well, look, John, you seem to know everyone out there. You've got this wealth of experience. Why don't you go and look after our clients? And try and win some new business along the way, and you know I sort of said to him, "I'm not a salesperson, <laughs> I'm a photographer at heart, I'm a nice chap, but I'm you know it's essentially I didn't know anything about sales, I'm not hard nosed and he said, "Well, you yeah, trust me, you know you will be fine and obviously, I told my wife, and she laughed at me <laughs> ridiculous, but in most things these these guys and girls, they are right, and it's mm. been amazing, and I'm not a hard nosed salesman, but I think I've always been passionate, I've always been genuine, and I know the business, and I think people obviously relate to that when they meet me.
0: People adapt very quickly when they know the industry. If you go into a different industry, it's sometimes a bit of a leap too far, but you know, from what I know about you, and I have known you a long time, it's the strength of your ability to build relationships, and that ultimately that's really what sales is. We'll move on from Foxes in a minute, but going back to those Foxes' days, it was all about building relationships, Getting trust selling is was described as the transfer of enthusiasm within that business rather than anything else and if you are enthusiastic and you're passionate about what you do that naturally will come across and you will build those relationships so you're obviously doing a great job there and although it's been a very different challenge still within the same sector and the same industry and I suppose therefore it naturally lends itself to your skill set of being able to build and maintain those relationships for a long period of time
1: it really has been a A wonderful journey, and I think you know. I do joke. I'm living my best life now because uh, a lot of people think I just have the life of Riley, going around the country, meeting existing clients, and talking to new people, and bumping into people that I haven't seen for years. That is an immensely satisfying. I mean, just last week I was up in York and Manchester and uh, Harrogate and Chester, talking to existing clients and checking out new business, and yeah, had a wonderful week. Wonderful week.
0: Photography is, and I would call that digital marketing as well. Is just one part of the way that technology has changed the estate agency industry beyond all recognition. What do you think the main benefits of having all this technology at agents' fingertips have been for those people who work in the sector?
1: Well, it sort of stems right from the sort of the booking process. So we have a system where you can talk to someone individually if you'd like to place the order, or you can go through our online portal but also then when the photographers and they're even more multitasking than they've ever been now we've got a business right across the country so obviously a lot of the properties we do are quite large on large plots of land so things like drone pretty much all our photographers across the country have drones the elevated mask if you don't want to go that high and then all of the sort of the various the video products you mentioned the sort of very basic virtual tours that we used to do but now it's sort of it's moving at such a pace with the various video products that we've we've uh, developed you know be it for you know pure videography for the websites you know developing social media uh, uh, but for instagram tiktok it, it's extraordinary there's you know at least five or six various different products out there for people depending on how they want to want to use it
0: and do you think the The clients, so the vendors, uh, sellers and landlords, do you think they either demand more now or even, dare I say, expect more? Because they're also aware of of technology they see on social media, the way properties are marketed. Do do you think they expect more? Absolutely. I mean, the days of, you know, property marketing is is still fairly
1: straightforward. You need a decent set of photographs, an accurate floor plan. Mm. And then what do you do to build it from there? depending on on your take on it. Mm. We've got clients that have really embraced all the technology and all the platforms to really further the marketing of that property. But also, and which we've seen in the last year, people really trying to promote themselves, their own personal brands within companies. Because obviously we all know what Instagram's gone from. And an example of the social reels that we do, initially they were just about the property. Then we were doing little agent introductions at the front door Mm. now as hopefully the weather improves and people are gaining more confidence they're doing talking in the property out in the garden and they just look wonderful so there's, there's that about the property but also it's it's getting you to really buy into that individual as the agent
0: yeah it's property in person isn't it totally and property in person for not just for Selling or letting the property, but selling and letting other properties that might come up in the future because someone else watches that video or that element on social media and goes, do you know what? This is a person that I trust and like and obviously understands digital marketing, which which is obviously, you know, you're again, going back to what we're talking about earlier. They're building their own potential trust with other potential clients in the future.
1: Definitely. And the smart ones are really seeing that, embracing that. I mean, it goes right back. To, you know, when I was a young property photographer, I wasn't the best property photographer, but I would always be smart, presentable, engaging. So hopefully the agent would buy into me, not the company. It was you want ultimately agents to want to work with your photographer.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: So it's the same. It's that you want you want punters to come to that agent.
0: Something else that was new to me. When I went to, well, in, in, in the, the latter stages, when I was running my own estate agency business, I'd never held a camera. <laughs> and, you know, what we've described there is examples of agents who have relationships with either their local photographer or indeed a business like yours. But there are still many agents out there who do their own photography. And there are some that they may outsource the floor plan or the EPC, but they will do their own photography. And we all know that there's sort of varying degrees of success. Are there any things from your 20 odd years that if someone's saying, well, this is great, I'm listening to all this great stuff, but I get my five, 10 instructions a month and I always do my own photography. Are there any little snippets or tips that you think as like, these are essentials to do if you're, even if you're doing them yourselves? Well, it's, it's, it's a
1: challenge if you're doing it yourself and if you're, you know, you've got a real interest in it and have invested in some kit. And And some people do that and they, you know, they have that's their wherewithal and they just like it. But, you know, you have challenges with the lighting and the post-production is such a massive part of property photography and photography in general these days. So, you know, the shadows and the highlights and the contrast and removals, you know, if you haven't removed a bin from the outside of the property for whatever reason or, you know you need to add blue skies in on everything these days and that's quite a challenge you know it's, it's time consuming as well
0: yeah yeah I'm a photoshop amateur photoshop enthusiast <laughs> and I always used to get a little bit carried away because it always used to look like property in you know, the tail end of southwest London looked like it was in Bermuda <laughs> And I used to probably turn up the contrast a little bit too much and they always used to look slightly unrealistic, but that was just my amateur approach. I do agree with you. We'll come on to this in a minute, but I do agree particularly about the very basics, which is if you think about what an image does, It's the equivalent of curb appeal before there were photos on the website. So let's go back 30 years now and say there were still people who walked up and down the high streets, to look in shop windows and looked in agents windows, looked at the details and then would get in the car and drive by. And I think this is the not so necessarily modern, but it's just the way it's done now that that curb appeal is the first three images, in my opinion. And if the curb appeal equivalent is the first three images if the first two images have got one of five bins which you can have now with with recycling and glass and all sorts of stuff outside three cars piled up outside you know and maybe some queuing traffic outside and a bit of rubbish in the corner that's the first impression ruined and i suppose it's that kind of detail it's about what would a potential buyer or tenant in that initial seven seconds when you've got to create an impression, what should they see and most importantly not see? I think that's probably what it's about. Maybe it's, it's less about the you know, the focus and the, the imagery and in, in terms of the composition of the images, but it's all about what's in it. It's the content, I suppose, is the thing that makes the impression.
1: The classic thing with property photography, and I bang on about it all the time to the, the guys and girls coming through, it's consistency and attention to detail. it's never changed. It's never changed. I mean, when you do walk down the high street and of course, you know, in places like London, people are much more switched on to having professional services done. But, you know, as you go out a little bit further, you walk down the high street and you can clearly see the agents which haven't employed a professional service because, you know, they're not straight. There's no blue skies. You know, they've tried to blow them up a little bit too big in the window and they've all gone a little bit grainy. But my message is, and because it is such a competitive industry, this for property marketing services, you know, without getting into too much detail here, the cost of actually getting it done professionally is not expensive at all. Mm. It really isn't. And I think this is why so many people do go down the professional route, because they can see for that fairly minimal outlay, a massive, massive upgrade.
0: Yeah. And if you've got a great portfolio and you have a portfolio of 25 active listings or more, depending on which part of the country you're in, and they all look great. And I think the key point that you just mentioned there is consistency. Yeah. If that portfolio of properties you have is consistently excellent, the impression that that creates, not to the buyer and tenant, but to the potential seller and landlord of the future, is worth the investment. Because that, in a way, is a marketing strategy in itself, isn't it?
1: Mm. I mean, you know, it must be quite tough if you're going to pitch to a a client and, and you don't have a professional photography service. And as we know these days, you know, they would have had other agents in. So you're probably on the back foot if you, you know, you don't have something in your armory. And this is where it's moved on even further from the basics of photography and floor planning because the really savvy agents now are utilizing everything from the videography the social reels the drone where it's relevant out in the country or you know town areas so they've got everything to really win that listing exactly exactly
0: You're listening to On The Record, the On The Market podcast with me, your host Jason Tevin, my guest this week, John Williams. We've been chatting about John's career, his views on the use of technology in the property industry and the importance of photography in the selling and letting process. Moving on from this, we're going to talk about the do's and don'ts of property photography to find out what John likes to do also when he doesn't have a camera in his hand, which is by the sounds of it, very, very rare. So, John, we've seen, I certainly have, and I'm sure you've seen it as well, a full spectrum of approaches to property photography, some good, some not so good. We have our own tech support team on the market who are very good at spotting anything that is a common issue and taking steps to contact the agent to help them correct it. But it'd be really interesting to see if my little list that I've created aligns with your list or if I've missed something and if we get time, we'll come on to maybe some of your shockers, best and worst examples that you've heard of in the past. Okay. But some of my observations from doing this, and again, as I say, as an amateur, sort of top 10 no-nos are, first of all, dated photographs. So photographs that obviously show a particular time of year. I'm just thinking Christmas and snow agents grabbing an image either from another agent, which you shouldn't do, or from Google Maps or something like that. I see that occasionally. That's a no-no for me. Um, Big one, probably pixelated, squashed images, resolution changes, where they've taken it in a slightly different format and then they've stretched it without getting the composition right. The ratio, therefore, is always out. I've seen too many photos, which I didn't think it was possible to do, but um, I've always learned in agency is that you give enough of the property to make someone want to come and have a look at it not so much that it gives them a hundred reasons why not to view it Yeah, but it's that balance between too many and not enough yeah and likewise i've also seen i see this a lot one image and sometimes it's just one image of a lounge and therefore it's like what you know what, what what's the rest of the property like <laughs> the ones the obvious ones the big ones that we've already mentioned in the first part which is bins cars those two things stuck in my brain from my old days seeing yourself in a mirror as well i've seen that oh yes we've got to be
1: careful with that with the video as well when you're walking around you've got to double check things afterwards
0: yeah exactly and then i suppose it's just down to the the other stuff like you know turn the lights on if it's dark and and also taking images which i think if you do from I'm not technical, but if you're doing this from a professional camera, particularly with the wide angle lenses, if you take it from the wrong angle, the whole room looks odd. And sometimes you can focus, as I've made many mistakes doing this, you end up getting the focal point to be a different focal point from the one you wanted. Yeah. So you get the shower and the toilet rather than the overall bathroom so there's a list of things many of those I've probably made that mis- all of those mistakes in, in the past but is there anything I've missed or or is there is there anything that you you see that you go these are absolute do's and don'ts
1: well they're all incredibly relevant so you've done your legwork which is good I think in London obviously the challenge with the cars and the bins especially so that's why you know all the guys carry ele- elevated poles to get above just that little bit above the cars because obviously in London it's parked cars all on every street pretty much yeah so that's the benefit any sort of gaining in height is very beneficial and then it's sort of they're the very basics you've talked about quite mm-hmm. rightly but then it's how do you set yourself as a property photographer apart from everyone else and that mm-hmm. then goes back to the consistency back to the attention to detail so we're just coming out of winter so get those fires lit make sure all the cushions on the the sofas are all nicely plumped up and that's a very big thing. The little cushion out of place really stands out in the room. Gauging the situation, like you say, with lights on, lights off. Some agents actually have their preferences where they want all of the lights on and all of the light off on all of their instructions. So we've got preference settings for those, which is not a problem. And then obviously as we come into spring, it's very much bringing the outside in, isn't it? So get those patio doors open, get the cushions and the chairs out in the garden get the covers off the pool if there is one even going in the extra jet, let's get some flowers out there let's get a little bottle of wine with a couple of glasses or some cordial just to really set the scene and to really set the moment and the location because it's all about that it's selling the lifestyle
0: it's imagining yourself living there isn't it And that's way more than just photography. That's what we call, I suppose, lifestyle photography. It's giving them the the impression of living at the property. One thing that I always used to say, it's only just come to me, actually, is that um, there is quite a borderline unhealthy collection of photos of taps running, which I do see a lot. You know, this kind of still image of a tap running that's been frozen. Is that one of your little brainchilds? I do see it a lot and I see it all around. It was Tap Tuesday, wasn't it? I'm glad I remembered it in the same way as you do, but I never knew it was called Tap Tuesday. That's brilliant.
1: I'll be perfectly honest. It was one of my things in the early days because we were trying to get the guys and girls to move away from those generic property shots that you have to do on every listing. You have to. But then it's like, because you get so into that routine, you've know, you got to then, if you go to a very character property or some very nice properties, obviously, with bespoke fixtures and fittings, and we've all seen it with homes and gardens and country living and all these types of things. So let's let's get them to be a little bit more focused. And, of course, the tap thing just went a little bit too far. I love it. I love it. <laughs> a lot of them were taking just pictures of taps, and those creative shots work when you're taking something like that, but in context of the wider, wider thing.
0: Yeah, well, um, you'll be pleased to hear that in my old agency, which I founded back in 2013 it was a regular feature it wasn't tap tuesday i think it was it was tap every day but no, nonetheless that was a regular feature of our property photography so your idea carried on uh, through other businesses not just the one you were working at the time you should be proud of that
1: even today genuinely we have one client who would like where possible 50 percent of the photographs to be creative and then i've got other agents that don't want any creativity at all because they just want 10 really nice shots for the website Mm. job done
0: and there isn't that opportunity to be too crazy and one thing i've seen recently much more recently over the last couple of years pets pets are starting to find themselves in photographs and not just an obvious one but sometimes you know hiding under the sofa and you see a little bit of it and or you see a dog lying by the fire or you've got the dog in the garden and um For some reason, I always spot those. That's a trend, isn't it? That's certainly a trend.
1: Massively. I mean, I used to have shot of the week at Foxton's because we had so much content, you know, with so much stock and so many photographers. Here we do shot of the month and obviously set various competitions. And pets is one of them because there is so many. I always used to poo-poo it, you know, and think, no, you shouldn't have a pet in a shot. But the vendor, they love it. They love it. and You can choose to
0: use it or not. But Doing the shot is great.
1: We encourage it.
0: I think it's great. We are a nation of animal lovers anyway. Oh, absolutely.
1: And it goes It goes even further. It's not just cats and dogs. We know we've had some wonderful horses in paddocks
0: and llamas and all sorts of things. <laughs> uh, we, we could go on for another two hours about this, I'm sure. One of the things, maybe it's a misconception, I don't know, is sort of removing personal elements, removing personal items. Quite rightly, for security reasons, you know, a lot of people blur out photographs of photos that are on the wall or things like that or anything that could pose a security risk. Absolutely. Is your view that you should you know, declutter completely or is your view that you still want to have some personality in the property and that it's not a show home, it's, it's a place where somewhere lives? What's your view on that?
1: Totally. I mean, you shouldn't declutter to that extent, but certainly clearing the decks in the kitchens and the bathrooms of personal items as much as possible. It would be a help. And I think you know that's where using a professional marketing company like Four Walls is beneficial because just like the vendor comes to the agent because they're the professionals, we very much lead and guide the client on the presentation of their property. So before we even go there, we send out what we call a property information uh, flyer telling them what they can and do before the the photographer arrives. So get the cars off the drives, get some flowers if you want to, cut the grass, make sure little Johnny's out of bed by nine o'clock and the beds are made, and declutter and any other number of things. And then when the photographer arrives, subject to his time constraints, you know, he will have a conversation with the vendor. Let's lay the dining room table because that would look wonderful. You do that while I crack on in the kitchen and bedrooms you know obviously there's time while they're drawing the floor plan as well so it's instilling confidence in the vendor that we are in control we understand property marketing and we are going to help you make sure your property goes live in the best possible state
0: and it's a great experience for the vendor as well because you know as we all know It's what happens the few days before the property goes live is as important as when the property does go live. And if that experience is positive and feels like there are experts involved, then that creates the right impression with the seller or landlord between them and their agent as well. A lot of people
1: in any market, you know, sometimes take a time to finally decide to come to the market. And I think then it's even more important to get that marketing right from day one at launch. So obviously, as we know, the weather is a major consideration. So I think any good agent will instruct the vendor, look, we are going to get this right. It's going to be sunny in a week's time. That's when we're going to do the photography. That's when we're going to do the drone. And then we will make sure everything is pulled together and we will launch it looking absolutely fantastic.
0: Great. You travel up and down the country all the time. I always see you on social media and your travels but when you're not working in the day or so a week you might get some time off what are you passionate about what's your hobbies what your interests
1: passionate is outdoor life I'm a passionate sportsman people follow me you know I'm always doing some sort of exercise every day and I'm trying to prolong life as much as possible (laughs) probably a bit like yourself I love food I love wine I go to Italy as much as I can we've got an allotment a mile from our house, which is quite large. That's very enjoyable. And still photography. I just love still taking pictures. And that's the beauty of Instagram and what have you.
0: The channels to be able to display your work for no other reason than it just gives you pleasure is is much better than it ever has been, right? Exactly. And I always look forward to your social media posts. And I mean this genuinely now, because one thing that does carry through with everything that you do, Either on social channels or face to face when we meet up, is your incredibly positive mindset and outlook. There are sometimes when I've had a god awful week and we chat on a text, a call, or I, you know, we we meet up and I just find that you're always just inherently a very positive person. What inspires you and encourages you to have that outlook? Because that not everyone has that. Not everyone has that ability.
1: No, and I totally appreciate that. And I feel sometimes I can be a little bit, little bit over the top, but I genuinely. I'm in a place in my life now. I just feel so grateful and I do enjoy life every day. I've got a wonderful job, work for a great company with incredible freedom. You know, spring is coming. There's a lot to be optimistic about, but I fully appreciate it it can be a challenge for others. But I'm just trying to, you know, I'm a little bit older. There's no denying that. So I'm just trying to enjoy my life to the best and, you know, deal with the people and the contacts that I've got is immensely satisfying.
0: Well, it certainly cheers me up. And um, what's just to close? There's a couple more things, and we're sadly running out of time, but I've never asked you this. What's your fascination with pink? More often than not, I see you in a pink shirt or pink attire or something related. What's the backstory behind that?
1: (laughs) The backstory, like most things, goes back to Foxton's, where it all emanated from. And we've talked about Tap Tuesday. We used to have pink shirt Friday. So the guys, we used to wear pink. Simple as that, we used to wear pink shirts on a Friday and it stuck. And those, I sometimes post little bits alluding to that and the guys and girls that remember those days.
0: All makes perfect sense to me now. Just in the last couple of minutes, what do you think has been the biggest challenge you faced in your career and how you overcame it?
1: I think having worked, and I'll be very honest with this, as I am with most people when they ask me, having worked at one company for a long period of time and had such pleasure and such autonomy there to then leave and try and rebuild my career was an immense challenge and it took me a long time even when I joined Four Walls to get over it but all credit to Four Walls and especially uh, Owen Turgus who gave me the opportunity and again certainly now as a sales director the, the sort of freedom to try and help and build the business for Four Walls and Owen.
0: Great. We're coming to the end of the show, but we will share all the links to both Four Walls and to John's social media channels in the show notes if you want to find out more. Don't forget you can keep up to date with our next episodes by following us at onthemarketcom on Twitter. You can follow us on all other social channels too: LinkedIn, Instagram, and our new TikTok channel. Or search for On the Record in your favorite podcast app and hit follow. Just remains for me to say thank you once again to John Williams. Really good to chat, and thanks for your time.
1: Thank you, Jason. It's been an absolute pleasure.